right? Hey. Huh? What are y'all doing here? Huh? Turn on. We are dismissing for Children's Church to my left and to your right. Those of you who are staying in the sanctuary, please turn your book of Hebrews. <clears throat> book of Hebrews. Chapter 12. I'm sorry, was I not on earlier? I wasn't on earlier. Why didn't you tell me earlier I wasn't on? Okay. Before I get into the message, I, I want to I make a disclaimer in front of my church here. Y'all throw that picture up that you had up there that was so funny a few minutes ago. Show, show that picture. There were two. Okay. Finally made it to Brooklyn Tabernacle. It was closed. Where's the other one y'all thought was funny? Yeah, there it is. There it is. <clears throat> now, how did y'all get that picture? Huh? Uh, yeah, Miss Amy, Miss Amy, huh? Somebody downstairs gave that to you? But Miss Amy took it, so it's her fault? Okay, while Amy was at the Emmaus Walk this past year, uh, this past spring, <coughs> on April 1st, I'm sitting at the house and I'm minding my own business. And I get a text. Steve, this is what the text said. It says, I think I have broken my leg. I'm on my way to the, the, the hospital. So I call her, she doesn't answer. Brother Frank, she doesn't answer. So I call again, she doesn't answer. I call the third time, Glenn, she doesn't answer. So I start calling people who were there with her, and they don't answer. And finally, she sends back April Fool's Day. <laughs> Y'all listen to me. Cody, Cody, you, you need to listen to me because I still owe you and I hadn't forgotten. <clears throat> My wife is off limits to me. And I, I, I've always, I've, Justin, I've always, I'm okay with that. Okay, that's fine. No longer are you off limits <laughs> to me. So proclamation in front of my church, you are no longer off limits to me. I've got a picture I'm going to share next week, y'all. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. All right. Turn your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews chapter 12. <clears throat> Today we celebrate our fathers and or remember our fathers who have already passed from this earth. We pause and remember all that we have learned from our fathers, the good things, the bad things. I, I, I learned some bad things from, from my father. Uh, can I get somebody to cut the crying room light on for me? We learned some bad things from our fathers and we learn, we have, we remember the words of wisdom for, for me, all the things that I learned from my father generally have to do with, with cooking, things that my father taught me how to cook. Not my mother, my father. My dad was the cook, and, and now I'm, I'm the cook. Now, <clears throat> I am, whether I like it or not, the product of my earthly father. And on this day, I, I will think of and miss my father. For, for those of you who are here today who are fathers or who aspire to be fathers or, or still have fathers living, this message is for you. I think every person who loves his children, listen to me, 
It's important that you understand the first part of this sentence, or if you don't understand the first part of this sentence, you ain't going to get the, the second part of this sentence. I think it's, it's, it's very important that, that a person who loves his children always aspires to be a better father. If you love your children, you want to be better. Okay? Now, that does not mean that, that you desire to give your children more and more and more because I think we've, we, we've created a group of children who they, they want more. They think they deserve it because we gave them too much. That's not what I'm saying at all. What it means is that a good father aspires to give his children what they need. What they need. To, to give them what he knows will help them be a productive person in life. This morning I hope to give you words of wisdom to strengthen your walk with the Lord because that is the one thing that will help you to be a better service to all that God places on your path. God places somebody in our path every single day that needs to see the person that you claim to be. Every single day. So what is it that we need to see? Look at Hebrews chapter 12, <clears throat> and we're going to start reading in verse 1. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. This is an unknown author who wrote the book of Hebrews. I believe that, who do I believe wrote the book of Hebrews? Dr. Luke. So I believe Luke wrote these words. He says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every weight and the sin that so easily ensnares us and run the race with endurance. Now, I circled the word endurance when I, when I was studying this. Run the race with endurance, the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perf uh, perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. For consider him who endured such hostility from, for, from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart and struggling against sin. Have you not yet resisted, uh, <clears throat> resisted to the point of shedding your blood? And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or faint when, he, when, when you are approved by him. For the Lord disciplines the ones he loves and punishes every son whom he receives. Endure it. It is, it is discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what, the son, for, for what son is there whose father does not discipline? For if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had natural fathers discipline us, and we respected them. Should we submit even more to the Father of spirits and live? Let's pray. Our Father, Lord, we come to you asking forgiveness of our sins. <clears throat> Once again, Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for the fathers that are present. Lord, we pray that you would be with us in the time that we have remaining with you. Help us to glorify your name and help us to open our eyes and see exactly what we need to see 
that we might be greater servants to you when we walk through this door. In Jesus' name I do pray, and all God's children said, Amen. Amen. What in the world did we just see in this scripture, and how, how does it apply, how does it apply to Father's and Father's Day? Well, I'm glad you asked, because I'm going to answer the question to the best of my ability. What is it that he wants us to do? Number one, the writer of Hebrews, which I think is Dr. Luke, it tells us to do this. Look at verse 1a. It says, Therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, this is what we need to do. We need to consider those who are watching our lives. We, we do. Fathers, men, women, all of us, we need to stop and take consideration of the, those who are watching our lives. We do. Well, you know, Brother Kyle, I've learned in the day that we live in, I don't care what people think of me. Well, according to Scripture, you need to. You really do. You can't just act the way you want, do what you want to do, how you want to do it. And li listen, if they cross me, I'm going to cross. We can't do that. Scripture doesn't give us that luxury. Now, we don't have to walk the straight line, just walk the straight path. And, and you know, we, we, we can. Do, do you ever lose your temper, Brother Kyle? Yeah. I do, but we've got to keep it in check. We do. We've got to keep it. Why is that? Why, why when somebody, listen, when somebody cuts us off in traffic, and tell me y'all haven't envisioned this, when somebody cuts us off in traffic, you know, I, I drive a Dodge Ram, and I've got a, uh, in front, Robert, in the front, bend, I, I've got an aluminum fender, you know, right? I, I've envisioned myself, Brother Kenny, I, I've envisioned myself doing this. I'm, I'm going to go and get me some, some, some rolled steel, and I'm going to make me a bumper. I'm going to make me a bumper. Y'all seen those truckers that have the, 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 the like the, the, looks like airhead spears on the tire for their, yeah, I'm going to get me some of those too. Next person who roll, cuts me off, that's all right. That's all, I'm going to give them a little bump. They do it on cops all the time. It's called a pit maneuver. I'm going to give you, Angie's up there saying, that's right, yeah, brother. You, you've done this. You've thought about it, haven't you, Angie? Hey, listen, I'm going I'm to do a pit maneuver on 95 at 70 miles an hour next time somebody cuts me off. But we can't do that. Why? Because Scripture says we are a new person in Christ. And if you say that I'm a Christian and you wear a cross around your neck or you get a I love Jesus tattoo, you better t you're telling the world that you love Jesus and your actions better be supporting that. Amen. Men, listen, understand, we need to be who we are because a cloud of witnesses is watching us. And <clears throat> there, <clears throat> there are a lot of people who are watching us. There are people who are here in this church who are watching us. Our neighbors are watching us. Our children are watching us. Our nieces and nephews whose parents don't take them to church are watching us. Too often they're watching, hoping that we'll fall and that we'll fail. Because Christianity in their minds isn't real. But can I tell you the one that concerns me who's watching more than any others? Those I don't know. Those I don't know who are watching me. They're watching me and, and they're watching me from a distance. And I hope, you know, I, I, they, they, I hope they're not like following me around like a, a private detective. But there's somebody in each and every one of our lives who's watching your walk, and you'll never know this side of eternity. You'll never know this side of eternity. But when you get to heaven, 
It'll be revealed to you how much your walk meant to that person. What if that person's a Billy Graham? What, what, what if that person is somebody who is yet to enter the ministry, but because the life they saw you walk and live, it so inspired them to be the greatest preacher that ever. Hey, listen, I, I, I'm praying God will start one, more, one last revival before his return. Who's going to lead that revival? I don't know, but it could be the person who's watching your life right now. It could be. But he says this, the, the writer then tells us to lay aside every single weight and sin that ensnares you. Now, this is the picture that I, I, I got as I was studying this message. We have, a, I think in Savannah what's called a rock and roll marathon, is that what it's called? Every year. And it starts down in front of, of the Mayor City Hall buildings. Some of y'all, anybody of y'all ever ran that, that marathon? Kirsten, you ran the 25? You did the half. Okay, yeah, yeah. Well, I watched, okay? <laughs> Most, I, I think I've done three 5Ks, and that last one nearly put me under. But this is what happens. It's usually in the, in, around the springtime, right, Kirsten? It's in November, okay, so it's in, in the fall. And a lot of times it's really, you know, it's cold. So the runners stand there, and they've got all this, you know, they've got their garb on, their jogging, they've got gloves on sometimes, hats on sometimes. But when the, the starting gun goes off, they start jogging. And this is what we used to do when we helped uh, people helping people down in, 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 at Forsyth Park. We would go behind the runners because this is what would happen. As they started running, they started shedding their clothes. Now, they were not running without any, they weren't, you know, totally, okay? But they would start shedding their, their outer garments. Why were they doing that? Well, number one, they were hot. They, they, they warmed up. The, the first thing that you usually saw on the side of the road was the gloves. And that was the funnest thing to try and match. You would think those runners would be considerate. And, and you know, as they're running, they'd take the gloves off and put them together like you do your socks in the washing machine and, and throw them to the side. But no, you've got to find both of them. And then as you go a little further, you see the jackets. And the jackets are thrown. And some of them were nice jackets. I'm like, these must be some rich runners. And then you see the, the, the throwaway pants, you know, the pants that you just, you know, rip off real quick and throw to the side. Now they're running with shorts and a, and a short sleeve shirt, and they're, they're running. Well, they're doing it for two reasons. Again, one, to get rid of the heat. Second, to get rid of the weight. Can you imagine, can you imagine if this were to take place? This would be an interesting race, Kirsten. As you go along the race point, Every time you get a glass of water, you add 10 pounds. I wonder what the end of the race time would be for, for those people. So instead of throwing clothes off, you add clothes. So the, the very first watering section is usually about a mile, mile and a half out. And you run by and people are just sitting there, you know, handing you water, handing you Gatorade, or handing you something like a granola bar. And instead of giving you that, they give you an extra jacket. Brother Kyle, that's the craziest thing that I've ever heard in all my life. But that's what we do in our lives, church. Instead of shedding sin, we add sin. And this is why 
Well, Brother Kyle, sin is relative. You know, everybody's doing it. That doesn't make it right. If the Word of God says sin is sin, we need to try to avoid it to the best of our ability. We really should. And shed it. He says remove it. But then the writer then tells us to run the race that lies before us with endurance. Remove the weight, but he tells us to run the race with endurance. What race? (coughs) What, What race are you talking about, Brother Kyle? Whatever it is that God has called you to do. Brother Kyle, God hadn't called me to do anything. Then I'd check your salvation. Do you hear me? If you're not in the race, if, if, if God has not told you to do something, you're, you better check your salvation. Because he doesn't tell you to go to the starting line and just sit there and watch all the other racers. He tells you to get in the race. And if you've never been in the race, I, I, I very seriously, you know, you need to check your salvation. Whatever it is that God has called you to do, whatever it is that God has called you whoever it is that God has called you to reach. The person that God has burdened your heart from time, from time to time, every time again, to pray for them, to, to pray that the Holy Spirit would go ahead of you and show that person their need of Jesus. Church, listen, with endurance, with, without giving up on this person, God has called you to be that witness to. And listen, when that door of opportunity opens, be ready to complete the task with endurance. We can do this if we endure. Everybody has a person they've been praying for. Every person has a person they've been praying for. I got a message before I came to to church that a, a, a guy that I went to Bible college with has fallen again. He's gone back to drugs and he's back in jail. Brother Kyle, are you talking about a preacher? Yeah, well, he, he was an aspiring preacher. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> I don't know how it was in your college or your school, but we had this, this English professor in 401 classes, and he took pride when you came to his class the very first day. You didn't you know, get the syllabus and, and the pat on the back and a cold drink of water, and hey, guys, how you, good to see y'all. No, he said, take your book, your, your pencil out, and we're getting ready to take an exam. Very first day, very first day, and this is what the professor took pride in, failing everybody on the first day. It, it was almost like the military, Jim. He, he wanted to knock you down to the very first, and then build you up. Everybody in the class, including myself, miserably failed this English exam except for the person that I pray for. He aced it. He was like the protege for the college that I went to. And he failed. And he's fallen multiple times in multiple ways. We need to run with endurance, church, knowing that if we stop, we can fail. If we stop, we can fall. If we stop, we'll wind up places we never thought we'd ever be. We need to run with endurance. Because as we're running, whoever's behind us can't catch us. But if we stop, if we stop, whatever's behind us will catch up to us. We need to run, run with endurance. 
What is it that we have to endure? Well, attacks that we know have come and attacks that we know are coming. Y'all heard me say it a thousand times and a thousand other preachers have said the exact same thing. We are either in the storm, heading into the storm, or just getting out of a storm. There are very few days where we're not in one of those, th- those three. We're either heading towards a storm, in the storm, or out of a storm. We just need to learn to endure. Amen? To shake our fist at the storm and say, look, my Jesus is bigger than you. You can't handle Jesus. I, I want you to see something that should uh, really get your attention. How, how, can, how can we know that we can endure, that we can absolutely make it? Look at verse 2b, or verse 2a, excuse me. Verse 2a says this, keeping your eyes on Jesus. How, how can we know that we can endure? How can we know that we can absolutely make it? Because Jesus gave us the example himself. Keep your eyes on Jesus. We got our eyes on too many other things in this world. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Now I want to show you something that should tear your heart out and how beautiful a picture of love is seen (coughs) in verse 2b. Let's just read all of verse 2 again. It says, keep your eyes on Jesus. Listen, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him endured a cross and and despised the shame and has sat down at the right hand of God's throne. Now, here it is. Listen. When we saw for who the joy that laid before him endured, for who the joy that laid before him endured, we have a picture here of Jesus willing to endure because of a future joy. Brother Frank, he was willing to endure, not for the present, not for the past, but for a future joy, something that he hadn't obtained yet. That joy was not presently in front of him, but he knew with all certainty that if he, would, if he could just endure, this future joy would come to full fruition. We are that joy. We are that joy. Brother Kyle, can you preach your message on that? I wish I could. I really wish I could. I, can't, I mean, I love y'all, but I can't imagine enduring all that he did for the future joy of, of your salvation. But he did. And he would do it again. But praise God, he doesn't have to do it again. Amen? Church, what did Jesus endure for us to have life? A cross of shame. Verse 3 tells us this. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners. Consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself so that you won't grow weary and lose heart. 
the Son of God suffered as our example so that we would not grow weary. Let me ask you, do you ever grow weary in this life? Do you ever grow weary? Understand this. Look at Jesus as your example. No other man can exceed this example. He can't. There's been some great men in history who've done, and women who've done some unbelievable things, and we should aspire to be, you know, in part something you know, like them. But there's no greater example. There never will be a greater example in our lives as men, women, children, teenagers. There's no greater example in our lives than Jesus Christ, the one and only Son of God. Church, I, I learned a lot from my earthly father. The longer I live, the more I, I realized what I've learned. You know, when he first died, I didn't, before he died, I didn't want to admit that I'd learned anything from him. He, he and I were on two different spectrums. We were on two different pages. We were on the opposite ends of the world. I would call him. He would call me every now and then. But we, we were uh, polar opposites. When, when he died, I didn't want to admit that I'd learned anything from him. But the longer I lived, the more I realized that I, I did. I, I learned a lot from my dad. I, I learned a, a work ethic that needs to be reinstated in this world today. Amen. It, it really does. I, I learned how to, to, to garden, and I learned how to cook, and I, I learned, listen, I, I learned how I, I wanted to treat my wife because I didn't see my dad treating my mom the way he need, she needed to be treated. And I knew that's the exact opposite of what I was going to be. I learned from a, a negative perspective. But the example that Jesus has given me far exceeds what my earthly father taught me. Can we agree with that? Amen. What Jesus has laid before me far exceeds what my earthly father taught me. I do not believe that I will fully understand the depths of what I've learned from Jesus until I stand before him in heaven. Church, let me ask a question in closing. What is it that you need to endure? I don't know what's going on in your life, but you need to endure it. You need to run the race. Don't stop. Don't quit. Don't sit down. You need to endure it. Because once you get past it, you'll be where you need to be. What is it that you need to endure? <clears throat> Think of all those who are watching, who need to see your endurance. What we as fathers need to understand and teach our children in all aspects of life is this. Jesus is our ultimate example. Now, let me tell you something, fathers. Don't live a life in the gutter living like hell and try to point your kids towards Jesus. That ain't going to work. You hear me? You can't tell your children that Jesus is the most important thing in the world to you when you're living like he's not. Jesus is our ultimate example, and let him be. Our children will always remember the positive things we've taught them. But the things that Jesus can teach them will give them eternal life. And that is who we need to point our children towards every single day. Now, my question to you is this. 
Do you know my Jesus? Let's all stand. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Father, as we come to you during this time of invitation, we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would deal with hearts this morning. You would show us who we really are, God. Open our eyes and our ears and our hearts, Lord. Help us to hear from you, feel you, and know who it is that we need to be, Lord, for you. God, if there's somebody here in this service this morning who's never truly accepted you as their personal Savior, I pray that the day will be their salvation. That when the music starts to play, they'll walk down here and I let, they'll let me show them what the Word of God says every person must do, every person must do to be born again. Lord, if there's somebody in the service this morning who the Word has just touched them and they want to come and just spend some time with you here at this altar, Lord, I pray that your Spirit would give them the freedom to do just that. Be with us right now, Lord Jesus, during your invitation. Open our eyes that we might see what you need to see, what we need to see through you right now, Lord, in Jesus' name. With all heads bowed and all eyes closed, do you need to come and just spend some time at the altar? It's open to you. Will you come?